I love New Year's, all right? If it were up to me, we would celebrate this holiday every month of every year because it's that amazing. Just think about it. There's only really two times of the year that you get to stay up late and light things on fire and shoot them at one another and it's acceptable, right? I don't know if any of you had a Roman candle or did anything of that sort on your New Year's, but just think about how amazing that is that we can do that freely and we can celebrate it and just say, yeah, New Year, just Oh, I'm sorry, did that hit you? It's all good. New Year, right? I love New Year's for for all sorts of reasons. And and in fact, I even love it for the reasons of resolutions, although I've really only accomplished one out of my many years of life where I've tried to set goals and resolutions and they don't really work for me. Um, I usually forget about them. It's not that I'm not getting towards them. It's just I forget short-term memory loss. And so I can't even get through a month without accomplishing something most of the time. And so resolutions are amazing though. I love them. They, they, they fire me up. They get me excited about goals and different things. And, and really, I think it fires everyone up, whether you've made resolutions or not, right? Like New Year's, there's something sweet about a reset, something new. It's refreshing. And at the end of the day, we, we look at these new years and we're like, how am I going to grow? And I think all of us have this thing where we're like, man, 2018 was awesome. But deep down, we're all like, yeah, but I'm not exactly where I want to be. Whether that be physically, spiritually, anything. There's, there's really deep down this, this want and need for change. We're like, how do I change? How do I grow? Let me set these resolutions to be and do this every single day. And then hopefully at the end of 2019, then I'll be different. It'll be amazing. But it's this crazy thing that we all inherently do want growth. It's crazy. And I, I, love, I love this opportunity that we have to gather together and, and in this series. It's called New Year, New You. And I know that's about two years too late. Okay, I get it. Now that, that, that saying is being said all the time, everywhere. It's kind of getting annoying. But at the end of the day, we're going to look at new year, new you. And we're going to look at how to start the year right. And tonight, as I said, we're going to talk about growth. And what I'm going to show you is what I believe is the key to growth. The key to growth. And so uh, keys can be uh, just boring. Most of us carry them around. It's all these these different things. But I don't know if you've ever been given a really good key. Like, do you remember the time where your parents gave you uh, the keys to the car? The first time you ever got to drive on your own. I'm not talking about the permit thing where it's like, this is amazing. Hey, mom, not that time of life. I'm talking about the time where it's like, they give you the keys. You're like, this is awesome. Windows down, even though it's 115 degrees outside and you're just like jamming to Taylor Swift and all this stuff. And you're just like, yes, this is amazing. Do you remember this moment? For me, it came at 18. I got the car. I was on the car train a little bit late. Okay. And so I got these keys. My mom gave them to me. She didn't give me the car, but she was like, you can use this safely. And I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. And so uh, this is what ended up happening. And in fact, I think I have a picture of what she gave me. This was my first vehicle. And so uh, behind me, I have my first vehicle. And uh, this is serious. She gave me the keys to the minivan and I was like, this is it. This is what I was born for. 
to drive this Mazda MPV. I called it the swagger wagon. I think I was the only one that did that. And so you thought I was kidding. That is actually what my first car looked like. Funny thing, I don't have any pictures with my first car. I wonder why. And uh, just this weird thing, I went back, couldn't find any. And so I found pictures of my friend's cars and their King Ranch F-250s. And I was like, I almost showed that, but... This is way better. This is me, okay? And explains everything, right? And so I get this minivan and I thought it was amazing. And then years later, really recently, I was thrown an even better set of keys. This guy recently, I think it was like a couple months ago, he was like, hey, Dale, you want to drive? And it was just this moment of like, I have peaked. This dude threw me the keys to his Maserati. And I was like, let's go. This is what I live for. And if you know me, you know I've gotten tickets going way too fast in a 65. And so this was just a dangerous position for me to be in. But I loved receiving those keys, even though Maseratis don't need a key anymore. It's just this push to start thing. It's not as cool as it used to. You know, it's sweet when you turn on mm, this key. I love it. I love those keys. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. And I believe this key is, is really, really important. But before we get to the key, we're going to look at three barriers to growth. So I'm going to give you the key to growth. But before I give you the key to growth, we're going to get there by looking at the barriers to growth. Three different barriers. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 8. We're going to be in the Bible tonight. Luke chapter 8 verses 4 through 15 is where we're going to be. And I'm going to set it up briefly for you. What you need to know is that Jesus is speaking to this big crowd. There's a big crowd gathering around Jesus. And just think for a moment, who might have come to hear about Jesus? In Jesus' ministry, he he has healed people. He has has cast out demons. He has given uh, sermons. He's done all these different things. And so there's a few different people that we might think would be here. This this is my first uh, person. There's that guy who's like, hey, bro, you're not feeling well? I heard that Jesus guy can fix that. Let me just throw you over my shoulder. And he's like, this will be really cool if this works out, right? Like he's bringing his friend. You can imagine there's people there that want to be healed. And then you can imagine there's these uh, social butterflies. How many of you are just the social butterfly? You're only here because other people are here, right? You're like, oh, I heard people are going. I guess I'm going now. Yep, not busy. Clear the, clear the plans. People are going over there. That's where Jesus is. I'll just go because people are there. So I'm sure there's some social butterflies there for there for no reason whatsoever other than people are there. And so the social butterfly is there. The person that needs healing is there. And then there's the thrill seeker. This is you guys or some of you, not me. This is like the person that likes the thriller movie. Then it just doesn't even make sense to me. But you guys just eat it up. You're like, I just want to watch a scary movie. Stuff really gets me excited about life. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense because it's scary. It just makes me fearful of life. But you're like, yeah, you're the thriller person. So you might have been there because you're like, hey, dude, I don't know if you caught the rumor, but as Jesus walks through places or he goes to places, demons start just yelling things. And it's amazing. And you're like, we got to be there just in case something amazing happens, right? The thrill seeker. And so some of you might land in one of those categories, but you can imagine who might have been in front of the crowd of Jesus. And then there's also the disciples those people as well. There's followers, there's people that are there for healing, there's people that are there to just see a show, and there's some people that are there just to feel better to put people around themselves. And so there's all these different people, right? Jesus is giving a sermon. All these people are coming, and this is what he says. A 
farmer went out to sow seed. Some fell among the path. It was trampled and the birds ate it. Some of the seed fell on the rock. It sprouted but withered away because it had no root. Some fell among the thorns, but it grew and then the thorns choked it. Some fell on good soil. It grew 100-fold. He who has ears, let him hear. Thanks for coming. Pray and close us out tonight. Thanks for being here. What if I had done that tonight? You would have been ticked, right? You'd have been like, wait, hold up. I missed the first part. You said there was a a farmer? What? This isn't an agricultural school. What do you mean, farmer? You threw seed different places? Like, what? One, I missed a part. I don't think I fully understood it. What do you mean this and that? All these different questions could come to mind. And you would be mad. Just admit it. You would be let down if I had just come up, read that, and walked off. Right? You'd be like, I came all the way here, 9 o'clock at night, start the school year right, right? And this dude walked off the stage after four verses. There's no stage. (laughs) It would be a letdown, but that's what Jesus did. Think about the thrill seeker. He would have been super let down. (laughs) Poor guy, didn't see anything cool. And Jesus is like, he who has ears, let him hear. See you guys later. Thankfully, we have scripture and we weren't there because we would have been ticked and we would have left frustrated but we have scripture and we get to see what's going on here and so starting in verse 9 is where we'll have the verses on the screen and read this together and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant because they weren't sure just as you weren't sure when I walked off after I read the first portion When the disciples had asked him what this parable meant, Jesus said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. And so Jesus gives this parable. He gives this story, and a parable is an illustration of sorts. It's a story in order to illustrate a point of higher and greater value. It's it's a, it's a bigger picture point. And the funny thing about parables is they can be kind of divisive. And I don't mean this in like a really negative way. I just mean it in the way of some people hear a story like the one we just heard. And we would have left and been like, what was that about? We received the story differently. Some of us maybe would have been more like the disciples and we would have sought to be like Jesus What does this mean? So it's divisive in the sense that what parables do is it draws some people in and it turns some people away. And then Jesus goes on to say, and some people are going to hear. And if they have ears, let them hear. So Jesus is explaining the purpose of the parables is to to give the secrets of the kingdom, to to understand how the kingdom that he he is works. And then he goes on to explain the parable, and that's what we're going to look at, starting in verse 11. 
he starts to explain the parable. And it says this. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Let's stop there. So the seed's the word of God. That's what was thrown among the four different grounds. The seed was thrown. And what I love about this this story is that the seed is, is the same on all the soils, excuse me, on all the grounds, right? You notice that the seed is just thrown. The seed is unchanging. And it's so sweet that the seed is God's word. It's what we opened tonight. And what we notice here in the story is that there's nothing wrong with the seed. The way the seed is received is the problem. So that's what Jesus is explaining. And so now we're going to see there's four types of ground. Y'all stick with me. Four types of ground. Verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So there's four types of ground, but first I want to go on a quick rabbit trail just briefly. This is the only uh, ground that it talks about the devil in. But it's an interesting thing that we see here that this seed lands along a path. And who takes it? Satan. There's an enemy. There's a devil. And what I think it's important for us to realize is that Jesus is trying to show us that Satan opposes the message. Satan opposes the word. Satan opposes the seed. He doesn't want that seed to take root. He snatches it away. But you know, what's crazy is I think we need to understand that religiosity or resolutions or even rules, those are of no threat to Satan. You know what's a threat to Satan? This thing. It is the enemy of the enemy. This thing is a threat to Satan himself. Satan opposes the word of God. That's what one thing we take away just from the path. And so we have this four types of ground. The first one is this path. They hear and then it's plucked away. Uh, one pastor categorizes it this way, and I enjoyed the way that he, he talked about this path. It'd be like you come to vertical and you hear the word and you're like apathetic. You're like on your phone, you're checking Instagram or maybe you're looking around and you're like, wow, Kim Mulkey, Hall of Fame, 2000. How old is she? That's crazy. And your just mind is in another world, right? Sorry for you up there. You can't see that there's a Kim Mulkey, you know, Hall of Fame. Anyway, don't worry about it. Um, it's a shrine over here on the left. That's all you need to know. And You're just totally distracted. You're apathetic. You don't care. You're everywhere but here. That's what it might be like. When you hear God's word, you're like, it doesn't matter. You're not focused. You're apathetic. And then there's the people that are uh, antagonistic. These, These are the people that walk in and they're like, I don't like blank. I don't like, you know, the lighting. I don't like that there's no stage. I don't like that the worship leader was wearing all black, little too hipster for me, right? All this stuff. You're like, I don't like, insert whatever you want, opinion. Oh, I don't like the way that guy talks. It's a little bit too fast for my, you know, preference. So you don't listen to God's word. 
Or lastly, there's, there's ignorance. This, when seed falls among the path, you hear and you're like, this isn't the good news that people say it is. So you just kind of move on. So that's the first place that the seed lands. And the devil just snatches it away. Let's keep reading in verse 13. Let's see the second ground. And it says, and the ones on the rock, the seed that lands on the rock are those who, when they hear the word of God, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, they fall away. So, so the seed that lands among the rock is, is, is seed that is heard. It's received with joy, maybe even a little conviction. You're like, man, that feels good. You leave excited, but there's no root. There's no moisture. It's shallow. It's not lasting because there will be a time when, when suffering comes. This word testing could mean a few different things. It, it could mean suffering. It could mean trials. It could mean pressure. At the end of the day, it's probably coming from people, from the approval of man or circumstances that happen to man. When that pressure comes, Jesus is warning in this parable. He's saying, this is how it works. Some people are going to hear and they're going to leave excited. They're going to come to vertical. You're going to come here possibly. And you're going to leave and be like, that was amazing. Praise God. You're raising both hands. You're singing all the songs. You're, you know, taking notes or whatever people do. And you're like excited. And Jesus is warning that there could be a day where you go to class and someone mentions, hey, I think I saw you at vertical. Are you, do you like follow Jesus? And you'd be like, you know, somebody just dragged me there. I'm not really into that stuff. Or maybe it's this weekend, you know, at a gathering of sorts, party. At a party and somebody's like, was that you at Vertical? And you're like, yeah, I just go because, you know. But it's stupid. It's the seed that falls away in a time of testing. That's a really simple test. That's maybe not even a test. In a time of suffering and testing, you fall away. The seed falls away. Verse 14, this is the third ground that we're going to look at. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. This is the thorn. This is the person who receives the word and subscribes to Jesus-like things. You're like, I'm on board for this, you know, biblical principle thing. As long as it means I get a Lexus and a lake house in about 20 years down the road. But if I had to choose between the two, I'll take the Lexus and the lake house. Thank you. And that might not be meaningful to you now because you're in college. So the idea of of selling yourself to a Lexus in a lake house might not make too much sense. But maybe the thorn for college students, the thorny soil, excuse me, yeah, the thorny soil or ground would be more like, I'll follow Jesus, but the day that church 
becomes to take too much time or it gets in the way, like community and, and being up and, and serving in different ways, like all these things that the church requires of me, like I'm kind of out if it gets in the way of me building my resume. The cares, the riches, the pleasures of life. Or maybe it's, it's that you are all about following Jesus as long as it means it doesn't mess up your relationship that you get to be a part of, that leads you to destruction and sexual intimacy that wasn't meant for this side of marriage. And it's selfish and all these different things. And you're like, I'm in to follow Jesus, but I'm going to choose to just put this over there and not let Jesus have anything to do with this relationship. You know what that is? That is a crowded heart. Crowded by the thorns, riches, cares, and pleasures. And one day, it'll choke out that seed. And so those are the three barriers that I mentioned to growth. Jesus is showing us the way his kingdom works. When it comes to the barriers of growth, we have the path, the rock, and the thorn. This ground that it can land on is the path, the rock, and the thorn. And it's the devil is the barrier. The approval of man is the barrier. The cares of the world is the barrier. These are the barriers. That sounds about right. We look at our lives, we're like, yeah, sometimes I just don't care. I'm apathetic. Or I'm t- antagonistic and the devil just takes it away. I forget the word. Sometimes I care too much what people think. And sometimes I'm chasing after the world. Keeps me from growing in the way that I'm meant to grow. That makes sense to us. These are the barriers. I think it's important for us to know the barriers. And I'd even venture to say, if you want to write something down, beware of the barriers. Beware of the barriers, sure. I want to ask you kind of a weird question. It's that, who are you in this parable? Up until this point, just for clarity, you are ground. You and I both are ground. Not the coolest thing to be in a story, but I'm asking you the question, which ground are you? Your heart is either on a path, a rock, in a thorny place, or it could be on good soil, which we haven't gotten to yet. But you need to know which one you might be on and which one you might be tempted to return to. So, wait a second. The seed is the word of God and the ground. The ground and how we receive the word of God is the problem. So that means we're the problem, yes. We have the problem with receiving God's word. That's why we must be aware of the barriers. And I think a tendency is to leave this place. And we just got to get in our cars. Sorry for the over car illustration, but we're going to keep going with it. We're going to get in our cars. And what we don't realize is that we've let the devil just have a front seat. He's right there with you. He's got a, a place in the car. Or maybe it's, it's the approval of man, that rock that the seed lands on. You're like, yeah, I got the approval of man in my back seat. It is totally determining where I go. Or maybe it's the, the riches and cares of this world and it's in the trunk. Or because we're in Texas, it's in the bed of the truck somewhere, right? You guys got some of this stuff in there and you, 
I'm saying you guys, I mean it for myself as well. Too often I let these things into my car, but I think the reality is I want us to not forget, I told you at the very beginning, don't get too focused with just the barriers when we're here to talk about the key to growth. What use is it to clean out your car if you can't start it? So we got to look at the key. And this is what I think Jesus is trying to show us in verse 15. As for the seed that lands in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Good soil. Good soil, you hear, you hold fast, honest and good heart, pure heart, and you bear fruit over time in the days of testing or when the cares and pleasures of this world come along, you bear fruit with patience, you endure. Which brings us to a question. How do I get to good soil? Jesus is telling this parable and he's kind of explaining that when he talks and when he speaks and when God's word is said, people are going to respond differently. And some of us have already admitted within our heads and within our hearts, we're like, yeah, my seed can, can land on the rock. And often I'm, I fall away because of the approval of man or whatever it is. We've already admitted to ourselves what we might be. And so the question is, how do I get from being a rock to being good soil? Like, how do I get there? It requires a miracle. Only God can take a rock and make it good soil. Only God can take a path or a road and make it into good soil. Only God can take a thorny place and put it into good soil where it can flourish. I think so often we want to know the barriers and just get rid of the barriers. And I think sometimes we forget God is at work and he's giving good soil and he gives it by grace. So what's the key to growth? It's grace. Because you and I are just ground. We're helpless ground. We're not even farmers. But most of us, if we're honest, We've been playing the sin and soil maintenance game our entire lives. We're just trying to like work harder. We're like, yeah, and I'm just trying to, I'm a rock of soil and I'm trying to become good soil. As if you can change yourself in some sort of way, it's impossible. If you're a rock, you're a path, or you're among the thorny grounds, you can't take yourself and put yourself in good soil. Only God can do that. It's a miracle. It's grace. It's mercy. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And I think that kind of freaks us out sometimes. We're like, whoa, it's a little too spiritual for me. Just give me three steps of how to grow in my faith. That'd be ideal, right? No, that's not what I'm here to give you tonight. I'm not here to tell you that. Because I think most of us understand that salvation, being saved, comes by grace through faith in Jesus. And his death on the cross, his burial and resurrection... And this is given freely by grace. But what I don't think we understand is that same grace 
is what's required for us to grow. It's freely given. It's not just salvation that comes by grace. It's also growth, which brings us to the point that grace is essential to growth in the Christian life. So a good takeaway would be this. You're like, what do I do with this? A good takeaway would be to ask the question, how do I get grace? Think about that one. How do I get grace if this is the takeaway? The key to growth is grace. Tell me what to do. Let's do that. How do I get grace? I don't know. But what I do know is that Jesus is the giver of grace and he is grace personified. So go wherever he is. Go wherever he is. If you say, I need grace to grow, it really, what you might be saying is, I need Jesus. Go wherever he is. Let's just think, let's think practically. What do we know about where Jesus is, where God himself is? It says that we can, we can meet him in prayer. It says that we can meet him in the, in the local church. That's a place where we can go and be rightly connected and rightly reminded of the grace, where we can celebrate the name of Jesus. Or maybe it's a Bible study, or maybe it's a community group, or a life group, or a discipleship group, or whatever it is. You go to those places, and you grow in grace by what? Looking in the Bible, in the scriptures, and what it has to say about the person of grace, Jesus. I don't fully understand how I get grace. But what I do know is that Jesus gives it. And that Jesus is it. So seek him. You want to grow this year? It requires grace. You want to grow this year? Seek Jesus, the giver and the person of grace. And maybe a good takeaway would be to pray for good soil. Some of you annoyed that I haven't given you information to leave with. I've just given you the person of Jesus. And I've been like, this is it, and this is enough, and this is the way to start the year off right. And you're already mad at me that I haven't given you a to-do list. And I'm telling you, if you're that person, I want to invite you to just pray. Say, Lord, help me to believe that Jesus is enough when he's the main point, when he's every point. Pray for good soil on our campus, in our own hearts in Waco and across the world, then I, I want you to know a bad takeaway tonight. <laughs> this is what I possibly would have done when I was in college. The bad takeaway would be to leave here and go be the fruit police. <laughs> this is so Baylor. <laughs> to leave here and be like, you know what? I think that dude over there is for sure the path because he's gonna leave here and he's gonna forget everything. And then I think that girl over there, I don't think... I think she's probably the thorny one, you know, because she's kind of choked by the things of this world. She's on Instagram a little too much, you know, that kind of deal. And so you're going to leave here and you're going to become the fruit police. (laughs) That's a bad takeaway. Don't leave here and become the fruit police. Why? One, you just shouldn't. But two, y'all hang with me real quick. Let's think about the person of Peter. 
If we had been around in Jesus' day and we were the fruit police, we would have seen Peter and we would have seen him deny Jesus three times and we would have been like, boom, that's the rocky one. That's the rock. I did my Bible study. That dude, Peter, he's on the rock. He withers away whenever testing comes. Check, you know, you're the fruit police. I don't know what policemen do. They write tickets. You're, you got a ticket for being a rock, Peter. But is that the way the story goes? No. Jesus reinstates Peter. He gives him grace. He takes his rock. Let's say he was a rock. And he takes him and he makes him into good soil. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm not just going to make you good soil. I'm going to use you to be the rock of my church. That's crazy. Jesus is using Peter, who I believe, if we looked at him, would be the rocky soil, the rocky ground, the rocky path, whatever it is. He would have been choked in testing. But what does God do? He does the miracle of making Peter into good soil. And it's the rock of the church that we stand on today. I don't know if you've ever read Matthew 16, 18 through through 19. And it says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom. He's saying, I'm going to give you the grace. I'm going to make you a rock. Or I'm going to take you from being a rock into good soil. It's impossible for anyone else to do this. I'm going to use old rocks like you. And I'm going to make you into good soil and you're going to receive my word and you're going to flourish. And over time, you're going to have fruit. What's fruit? The fruit of the spirit. What's fruit? Uh, making disciples. And on that, out of that fruit, I'm going to build the rock and the foundation of the church. God can do that miracle. God can take rocky hearts like you and like me. And he can use them and make good soil. Thank goodness for that grace. I'm throwing you the keys. The keys of the kingdom is grace. It's Jesus himself. And that's what those with good soil have been given. This undeserved key. It's far better than any minivan or Maserati. But the key to the kingdom of God is grace, which saves us, grows us, and allows us to be a part of God's work here on this earth. So in summary, beware of the barriers. They're the enemy. They're the cares of this world. Or excuse me, the the approval of man. And then it's the cares of this world. And then the key to growth is grace. And grace is found in the person of Jesus. I'm going to close really quickly with a parable for your application. For those that are in good soil, this is your application tonight. So if you don't mind, it's kind of weird, but will you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you're ADD, you can keep your eyes open. Just look at the ground. And I want you to just pretend with me that you're on an airplane and you're told that the airplane is going to go down and you need to get parachutes on the people that are on the airplane. But the problem is your message is kind of offensive. 
People don't like hearing you talk about such negativity on such a pleasant flight. And so you go up to the one guy and you change the news to news that's more receivable. You say, hey, put this parachute on and you'll be happy and it'll look really cool. Everyone's doing it, just put it on. So he puts it on. And after a little bit of time, people start to say to him, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? Parachutes are for planes that are going down. That's pessimistic, judgmental. That's offensive to pilots and people like Boeing who make planes like this. What's wrong with you? It's an arrogant view you have if you're wearing that parachute. Not to mention, that parachute's ugly. It's puke green. And the guy comes back to you and he's like, hey, you lied. Take your parachute and give it to somebody else. So then you realize you need to go to somebody else. And so you go to somebody else, a girl this time, and you simply tell her, I want you to wear this parachute. When she asks why, you say, this plane is going down. Trust me, it's faulty. If you listen close, you can hear it going down. But when you put the parachute on, I want you to know, I wanna warn you, you might be laughed at and mocked and hated. You may even miss out on the pleasant party on this flight, but trust me, endure it. Put the parachute on, even if you take a beating, it'll be worth it when this thing goes down. So this girl looks around and she realizes the engine has a little tick to it. And she thinks there's enough natural observable truth On the plane, there's something that looks wrong with it. One of the wings is a little off. This natural observable truth to document this special revelation that you have given to her. And so she puts it on. She puts the parachute on and she's made fun of and she isn't invited to the party on the plane because she's wearing this ugly parachute. But she she takes the heat. And deep down, she has a deep joy because on the big issue of life, she knows she is secure that plane ends up going down. And y'all hop off and float pleasantly and safely to the ground. You can pick your head up. Baylor, MCC, TSTC, Waco. The plane is going down. And I'm not here to spook you, scare you into that news. but you know it's going down. And so I'm asking you an application not to change the simple truth that we're sinners in need of the grace of a savior. In an application, I pray that you and I would have good soil to receive God's grace and pray that our campuses, our city and our world would have soil to receive the word of God. He who has ears, let him hear.